You are now listening to the Wiser Words podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm very excited to announce I'm here with the main man himself, Jared Spall, um, the maker of awesomeness all around the world, global speaker, educator. Um, and we're here today to talk about how to hire UX professionals. Um, so Jared, welcome and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think anyone's ever called me a main man before. Yeah. Uh, well, you are the main I'm man. sort of an auxiliary second stringer. Yeah, I can't, honestly, when I uh, so as you know, I have the the Slack group how we how we first connected, and when you first announced that you wanted to join the the the, uh, the Slack group, everyone was like, "My God, you've got Jared Spool in the group! That's so cool!" Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been following you for age uh, for quite a while actually. So I'm very excited to to chat. Um, but yeah, essentially, what what made me want to talk about this is a lot of companies are as you know, hire for UX, they're bringing UX in-house, there's this whole thing about growing UX function. And with that, a lot of people who, who hire struggle to, to attract good UX professionals and, and also retain UX professionals. So how have you found the industry from obviously starting out on the, the rise of UX and hiring UX professionals, etc., and how like, salaries have gone up, there's this whole buzzword about UX now, how do you find the industry as a whole, just to start with, and then we'll go into a bit deeper around? So we've gotten ourselves into a, a, a spot of a problem uh, that uh, we would call in, uh, on our side uh, a high-class problem, which is yep. after years and years and years of trying to convince business that design makes a difference, business now thinks that design makes a difference. And they're trying to hire as many designers as possible. And yeah. the supply of designers is not growing at the rate that it needs to to match all the demand. And this is creating uh, a big problem. There's a company mm -hmm. I was talking to a few months ago in uh, Tallahassee, Alabama. Now, Tallahassee is about yeah. two and a half miles south uh, west of Atlanta, uh, there's nothing. The closest bit decent sized city is Birmingham, okay. which is which is not a huge yeah, city. Uh, uh, there's no tech industry there, and this company makes water meters. They're the okay. devices that you put in a house or in a business mm -hmm. to tell you how much water is being used based yep. on the amount of water. That's what you pay your water bill for. Um, and this company's been around, the company's called Neptune Technologies, and they've been around since 1886. Mm -hmm. And they started making water meters that were completely mechanical. And they made mechanical water meters. You know, there's a little wheel yep. that spins and it m turns some dials. That was their business up until about 10, 12 years ago. And then everything went nuts. Yep. Because they came out with their first ultrasonic water meter and it had no moving parts it was all electronic and the way it communicated was through software and as soon as they introduced software they had to build a user interface and as soon yep. as they built a user interface they had to have a user experience and mm -hmm. as soon as they had a user experience now these things have um their water meters now have 
uh, little cellular modems in them. They can communicate over LTE networks with the wow. with headquarters and send the water information in real time. And sure. it's basically an Internet of Things device, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's measuring the water in your house. And that Internet of Things device is is communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so with some software at headquarters. So now they need to create basically a service. Yes. Right. Yeah. To, they call it managed services. And they're managing, you know. Cities that have 12,000 residents or cities Mm -hmm. that have uh, 11 million people, they are are measuring all the water that's traveling through it in this this, uh, service thing. They're tracking whether the machine, where the devices need replacement. They're figuring out if there's problems. These, These things do all sorts of stuff. So they need... They need UX people. They need service yeah. design people. They need, you know, folks who understand how to create UIs on tiny devices and how to create the read the portable readers that are used. All of these different things. The outcome of this is that you have to travel really hard around Tallahassee, Alabama to find yeah. anybody who knows anything about UX design. Yes. So how does this company build this and yeah. it gets worse because uh this is not a choice for them mm-hmm. to be competitive to have the best product they have to have something with a great ux yes that's entry stakes in their industry yeah and i guarantee you that there isn't anybody who went to um design school in the last five years who said while they were in school you know what I want to do when I graduate? Water meters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? No one's talking about water meters except for the folks at Neptune, yet they need an incredibly talented team of UX designers to be able to pull this off. Sure. So how do they do that? And every industry has the same problem right now. So there are thousands and thousands of jobs for UX designers and more coming online every day. Mm-hmm. And this is a problem, right? How do we fill these jobs? Absolutely. I mean, back it, I've got a, a few clients here in London who are very much, uh, you know, large corporates who build digital hubs when, you know, in the WeWorks and all that kind of stuff. But would a company like that be able to, to have a digital hub away from their main function to attract you know locations around the u.s and then well that's a challenge right they've never they've never had a remote operation yeah right because when you build physical devices you sort of have to be physically there yeah and so they've they've this is going to be a new thing for them and if the Mm. design team is remote from the rest of the team will it integrate will people understand how to work with it yeah get that Get that buy into UX. Get that buy in to see it customer experience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. So, how would you, if you were, if you were Neptune, then? So, obviously, you can stop them. What would you bring in a head of a really good top head of UX and then build out from sort of a junior perspective? But I'm, I'm guessing because of the complexities, you need seniors. So, how do you get seniors out to Alabama? Do you, you hire contractors? Because sometimes money does talk in this, in this industry. 
It I'm does. Just thinking, how do you it make does. that? I mean, there are lots of strategies you could use, yeah. right? Um, but the problem is uh, that uh, th- that the big problem that a company like Neptune has is that they're not a big company, mm-hmm. right? They're they're actually a fairly small company and as a small company you know they've got a couple hundred employees as a small company having a lot of management doesn't always make sense um sure so the uh the the problem that they have is figuring out how to use if they only have a limited budget mm-hmm. to put towards ux do they spend it on um uh but building teams or actually building out sort of exactly. tools and capabilities yeah exactly it, it, it make it makes makes complete sense um i was doing some research into the market and sort of the I think it's quite similar in the US from what I've been told and I've done some recruiting over there is we have a lot of juniors and, and mids that can't necessarily find roles but um, sorry juniors that can't find roles mids where they go contracting because they can the money's great etc and then you've got senior and leadership level who who want to go perm to progress their career but from pe- a lot of companies want to hire that midweight level to churn out deliverables not necessarily affecting the strategy because you've got a head of you've got leaders there how would you recruit for for mids to like what would you conv- to convince them to go perm at say 60 70 thousand us or contract at 600 how do you make that attractive and do you recommend people to go permanent or contracting well i think that depends on the market right yeah uh um I don't recommend people go contracting per se okay. uh in general. Uh but there are certain places where that's the only way to get a job. Yeah. Right? Uh in the US in government there are jobs for nothing is permanent in the government, but there yeah. are there are jobs where you are officially a a federal government employee versus okay. a uh a government contractor. Uh, government, um, uh, but those are very rare. Uh, mm-hmm. There are other companies that will not hire employees very often, but they will hire lots of contractors. Uh, yeah. In markets like London, mm. uh, contracting is very strong, and yes. hiring full-time employees is, is less. But that's mm. changing. Um, even in the federal government, uh, yeah. they are realizing that the lack of continuity that you get yeah. when you're a contractor is creating issues. Yeah, 100%. So the um, so lots of uh, lots of, of organizations are uh, uh, are starting to bring in more and more full-time design personnel. Mm-hmm. And and what you're seeing, like in markets like London, is uh, more senior 
contractors are having trouble finding work. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, that's 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 become very common. But my my um my question to you would be okay. So say you're your company you've got five people in the design team you need to hire three people you need work done, doing quickly like how what's attractive for why is it attractive for a ux professional to go permanent because you know these contract these people can get big contracts large day rates like how do you attract good ux professionals to go permanent like because i believe well, again that's going to depend on beasts. the it's going to depend yeah. on the market but the the uh in the U.S., uh, it's an easy sell because contracting mm. in the U.S. is miserable. You're yeah. not allowed to contract for a company for more than a few months. Yeah. Uh, 18 months tops usually is what companies limited at because there are laws that say that if you have contractors too long and you treat them like as if you would, they were full-time employees, you yeah. actually have to pay them like full-time employees. Yeah. And um, so uh, in many instances, uh, they are they're there. And the, and the downside for the design manager mm -hmm. is that you have this contractor who's there for 12 or 18 months. Yeah. They learn the job. <laughs> they learn how to do things. And then suddenly they're gone. Yeah. And they, ha the, and they the have to, is gone. they have to leave. And so uh, uh, keeping that knowledge is difficult. In terms of what's attractive about a full-time job, well, there's lots of things that are attractive about a full-time mm -hmm. job. Uh, one is, is that you get to actually see the, the, the work through multiple releases yeah. instead of working on something and shipping it and then going and doing something completely different in another company, none of the knowledge you accrued on that project is going to help you in the subsequent work. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all ship things that we're less than happy with. Mm -hmm. Being able to spend the time to get more happy with it is yeah. is important. Yeah. I and and agree. so um, that's a big piece of it. Uh, the second... Uh, really important piece is that uh, uh, you can't really grow into being it's much harder to grow into mm -hmm. being a design leader in a contract position yeah and right now the biggest demand in organizations is for design leadership yeah and it's going to be very hard for people to look at you and say yeah I want you to come lead, but in 18 months, I'm going to have to replace you with somebody else. Yeah. That, that, and, you know, as a contractor, you're always renewing contracts. So that's key. And then another piece of it is you don't have to market when you're full-time, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to be f worrying about where's your next contract coming from. This yeah. contract's going to expend, ex you know, expire in N weeks. Yeah. Do I have something else lined up? And then there's, you know, benefits and the things that come with full-time employment, which, again, vary by geographic mm -hmm. location. Yeah, sure. My, so the one, the big topic I'd love to chat to you about, and it's one of my favorite topics at the moment, is design tasks. What's design your, tasks? Design tasks in an interview process. Oh, design so, tests. Yeah. Design okay. tests, sorry, yeah. So what is... 
because I remember you post something in the Slack group about whiteboard challenges, and you, is it? Am I right in believing you don't agree with whiteboard challenges, or you? Well, it's not that I don't agree with them. I just think they're torture. Yeah. I think they're against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> so what for you? What would be the ideal? What's the ideal process? Not like two or three stages. That doesn't matter, but. How do you believe in a UX? Does, uh, someone should interview a UX designer to get the best knowledge possible to make that informed choice. That like how do you actually get in well, someone's, inside someone's mind and understand their design thinking from an inter- interview perspective? You're not going to get inside their mind and understand their thinking. If if we could get into other people's minds and understand their thinking, nobody would ever get divorced, and I think a lot of people <laughs> would never get married. I, I, I think. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, this is a myth uh, that yeah. you that okay. you that you can get inside somebody's mind. That and and so I don't know why we keep chasing this myth. The okay. uh, that's not what the interview process is for. What the interview process is for is to find out if the person has the skills, knowledge, and expertise to actually do the work we need them to do. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing you need to do is you need to really understand the work you need them to do. Like, yep. what is the list of things they will accomplish their first year? Have yep. that all written out, all defined. And then, how? what evidence do you need to see in someone's past work in order to know that they can do that job? Yep. What is it? Because let's say I needed to hire someone who is going to produce a design system. The Mm -hmm. design system is going to be rolled out to 30 products Mm -hmm. across the world. I've got 30 teams. 3,000 developers are going to touch this design system. Yeah. Right? And I've got 30 different teams, 30 different products at least 30 different product managers, probably closer to 45 or 60 product managers that I have to deal with who are going to need to understand why this design system is important and integrate with that. So if I just hire any designer, someone who's never thought about design systems before, Mm -hmm. someone who's never rolled one out, someone maybe who's rolled one out in a product that, where all the developers were in the cubes right next to theirs. Yeah. They're not going to do a good job on this project. They For have sure. no idea. What I need is someone who's rolled out a design system to a global development community. Mm-hmm. And at least 10 products, maybe 20, would be ideal. So I start there and I say, okay, who are all the people on the planet who's ever rolled out design systems that large? Yeah. I want to meet them. I yeah. want to talk to them. And I want to find out what our person needs to know. And then we start to figure out, well, what does it take to roll out a design system? Some of it has to do with actually understanding UI. Yeah. But a lot of it has to do with uh, figuring out what the user experience across 30 products have in common, coming Mm -hmm. up with a common component base, figuring out how to create pattern library and a design system library that developers are going to be able to use understand how to set up governance be persuasive with product managers to figure out how to get this on their roadmaps Mm -hmm. uh 
maybe pick out a pilot project and work really closely with them, possibly put this into some sort of uh, community-based, if not open-source library that mm -hmm. uh, people can contribute to so that m me and my only team, my you know, my very small team, aren't the only ones coming up with new patterns, right? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of work involved, and... I need to understand what all that work is. Otherwise, I'm mm -hmm. going to hire someone who can't do the job at all. Yeah, for sure. So so you need to think all that through and then find the people who have done that before and mm -hmm. advertise for the people who have done that before. Yeah. And that's how you do it. The reason that we have to have stupid design tests is we have stupid job ads. Yeah. Right? The job ads don't say anything. They yeah. say, hey... Our company is a state-of-the-art company delivering high-quality applications to improve our customers' lives. Come mm -hmm. work for us. Yeah, it's you very will generic. Work, you will work on state-of-the-art products. Uh, you will create prototypes and ship them. Yeah. And you need five years of experience with virtual reality. Right? I mean, that's what the job <laughs> ad says. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, a master's degree or better. And you must be a good communicator. Apply mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Right. Nothing in that job ad tells me that you're going to build a design system. Yeah. It tells me that you need to have expertise having built a design system. Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell me that you have to have ex expertise building a sophisticated design system. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so as soon as you write a job ad that actually talks to the job, the people you get are pretty clearly people who could do that job or they can't because they can't answer any questions about it. And you don't need a test. You never yeah, need a test. For sure. A test is a is a sloppy way to pretend to learn about people. And then six months down the road, we're complaining about all the things this person can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a big problem as well is companies using their work for ideas. So in that during that portfolio, in that sorry, during that test, they solve a problem that that business already has. And then they take that work which is obviously bad, bad, very bad practice. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, it is bad practice, but I think the problem is the test. I think yeah. get rid of the test and that problem goes away. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. really worried about that problem. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, a lot of these bad practices come from interviews where it's not, they're not set by the UX or design professionals. When it, so this kind of leads me on to my next question is obviously I spent time in, in New York recruiting for UX and uh, coming back to London, um, I have found that there seems to be a lack of design leadership here uh, from sort of senior end compared to the US. And I was just going to ask you a question, like how do you help someone go from senior to a, a, a true leader? Where I know a lot of people in England do want to become, it's where a lot of people do want to become. Do you just do you just do you just think that the US has more design leaders because of the population size is nearly four times as much as the UK, or do you really interested to hear your opinion on that? Um. Uh. Uh. I. I. I think that. Um. Uh. Well, I think part of it's I think that contracting Very interesting. makes it hard to find that. But I th we have to be careful and make sure we don't confuse a leader with a manager. 
They are very different things. Mm -hmm. Right? A manager is someone who manages other people. They have direct reports. They're appointed by the organization to be a manager. You know, mm -hmm. it's all about yep. the appointment. Right? Hey, you're not the boss of me. Actually, they just made me the boss of you. Oh, okay, yeah. you're the boss of me. Right? <laughs> you know, that, that's, it's just, it, that's where the authority comes from. Yeah. So uh, leaders come, uh, or managers are about making teams effective. They don't have to be knowledgeable in design. They have to be knowledgeable in how to manage designers. That's a very different thing. Okay. Yeah. Very true. Design leaders, in order to become a design leader, all you need is a follower. If I decide um, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to put together a design system, mm -hmm. and I want other people to put to use this design system, I have to persuade them. So the way you become a design leader is you have to be persuasive, and you officially become a design leader once you have a single follower. Yeah. Once somebody says, hey, that design system's a good idea, I wanna do that, now you're officially a leader. Mm. And you're a leader as long as that person wants to follow you. And as soon as nobody wants to follow you, you're no longer a leader. Sure. So, uh, what makes somebody a leader is they are, uh, they're persuasive, they are pushing a vision, so they have mm -hmm. a solid vision that they want to have. And so uh, when we say, how does somebody become a leader? Well, they have a vision that yeah. other people want to follow. That's how they become a leader. How they become a manager? Well, you have to be in the corporate hierarchy to start with. You can't yeah. be a manager as a contractor easily. Sure. So, some companies will do that, but many yeah, companies yeah, yeah. won't. And so, uh, so that's not going to work. So now what you need to do is uh, uh, instead you, you need to, to get into the corporate hierarchy. And then usually to become a manager, somebody has to die or move. Yeah. Right? So, so you have to wait for your turn. Whereas a leader, you just have to have a good idea that people want to follow. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, to get that good idea, uh, that that takes experience and time. Yeah. And uh, over time, people will, will start to see that. Uh, mm -hmm. So in terms of, of what you were asking, are you asking about design management or design leadership? Des design leadership. So would you advise, so I'm guess from what you've said there, I'm saying st start small in your company, have a good vision, and then... How would you spread that vision to become a global leader, you know, like yourself, you know, your Steve Krug, your Don Normans, those, that, that type of caliber? It's really, I'm really, well, basically, I'm really fascinated of how well, you've grown sure your brand. I'm not sure we're design leaders, right? Not okay. in the organizational sense. I'm not making changes in organizations. I'm not leading design. Mm. A design leader in an organization is someone who gets the design system rolled out. They're someone yeah. who gets more user research integrated into the design process. They're someone who gets parts of the company that have never thought about their users to start thinking about users. That yeah. Those are design leaders. And some of them are going to be managers, and some of them aren't. Yeah. 
Very true. Very true. So how would yeah? So someone from a sort of a mid senior then obviously you, I, I so you're saying as a sorry you're saying as a contractor that you can't become a leader because especially in London obviously contracts are we call them permalance they can be there for twelve months I think do you think you become a leader as a contractor and then more it no seems you, more you've got to be there five years I mean you, okay. you got to you no you can't be a leader most things that need leadership mm. are year long multi year adventures. Yeah, you've got to get that buy-in, get that trust. Right? Can you do that as a contractor? I mean, in most no, places you very can't. True. Very true. Right? You've got to have, you've got to know the people. You've got to be able to to persuade them. You've got to listen. And the best way to persuade them is to understand what they need and understand how, what you know, rolling out this design system is going to make their job better, going to make mm-hmm. their job easier. You have to know all those things. And contractors are often very limited in terms of what exposure they get to the rest of the organization and uh, how, they, how they help uh, the process. It's, yeah. it's, it's not a place of power to be a contractor. You're basically a mercenary. And mercenaries yeah. never become generals. Yeah. You're going there to solve a problem, then you're out. And then you can't really stamp your... Maybe you solve a problem. You just do some work and you're yeah. out. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I Someone else that... solves the problem. You just do the work that they need to execute the solution. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have seen a lot more of a shift towards people looking to go perm who want to grow into that design leadership capabilities in, in London. So it would definitely be an interesting, interesting year or two, especially with Brexit. I know there's a lot of people looking to go in in-house yeah sure. i think that that's uh, uh and and the thing is is that uh the companies that we're working with in the uk mm. are actually looking for more people in-house they're tired of contractors yeah particularly at mid to senior they don't mm-hmm. they don't they don't feel like they get good value there yeah no i, I fully agree so I've, i know i've only got you for another couple of minutes because i know you're a very very busy guy but so so we'll start wrapping up where can people find more of your of your work well if you want to talk about the hiring stuff we have an online uh uh 35 video uh wow. master on hiring designers intended to help uh design leaders become more effective uh and that's at hiringmasterclass.com perfect i'll send the link and of course uh we publish articles and uh we have newsletters at at uie.com uh you can find me on medium as jm spool you can find me on twitter at jm spool uh if if they work in design and we're not connected on LinkedIn. They should they should find me on LinkedIn. I'm yeah. I'm the only Jared Spool as far as I know. Uh, <laughs> and they can they can connect. You're the main man. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. on LinkedIn, I'm the, I'm the third main man. But okay. yeah, there's awesome. there's a first main man, and then I'm like two down. Amazing. Uh, um, and then uh, uh, yeah, then, you know, on the Twitters they can. I talk about design, design education, mm-hmm. uh, design strategy, and the amazing customer service habits of the airline amazing. industry. Yeah. Uh, have you ever have you ever flown with Ryanair over here? 
I have not flown with Ryanair. Oh. I am waiting for my first opportunity. To oh, so. there's actually a great one because I flew to Boston, funny enough, with Wow Air. Um, so they're an interesting. They're like the <laughs> the long haul Ryanair version. Um, yes. Yeah. And they uh, didn't they just get acquired by uh, Icewind Air? Yes. Yeah, because they are the only two airlines that fly into Reykjavik. So I right. think Icewind Air just bought them out. Um, but I had a very interesting experience going over to Boston with Wow Air. Um, yeah. Interesting good or interesting bad? Interesting bad. Interesting bad. Uh, I yeah. ended up I ended up uh, delayed at Gatwick with absolutely zero customer service at Gatwick, with, uh, which was represented by Wow Air. Um, and actually, funny enough, I was in Melbourne recently and um, I was flying with China Southern and I've never seen a worse website from a design and UX perspective. It was, quite frankly, awful. Um, I advise you to check out China Southern and do a review. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jared. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for Speak encouraging soon. my behavior.